Live from Toronto, it's Hebsey on Sports, episode 221. Hi, everybody. Mark Hebsher, your host here in the Little Italy studios. Joined, as always, by Toronto Mike, running things from the mothership in New Toronto. It's not like New Potatoes or New <laughs> Coke. or whatever. It's New Toronto. New Toronto. I don't know why they named it that. It's not that new. But anyway, that's where Mike is. <laughs> Today on the show. Baseball season is almost here. You notice the days are getting longer. You notice the temperatures are getting a little, little warmer, above Celsius. Before long, you'll see the Robins pulling worms out of the ground and the Blue Jays playing baseball. Well, may, you may not see the Blue Jays unless you've got uh, you know an illegal uh, satellite system or I don't know, because Sportsnet's not going to do very many of their games at all. In fact, Sportsnet is not going to produce, I don't think, any of the games. Wow. Um, they're going to use like the visitor's feed. So get ready to look forward to hearing the visiting broadcasters talk about their team and not the Blue Jays. Sportsnet, um, I don't get it. Jays haven't found a replacement for Mike Wilner behind the mic. There sure are a lot of broadcasters out there who have applied applied for his job. I'm not one of them because I can't speak today. What's the matter? <laughs> um, none of the broadcasters who applied are very good, though. I know some of them, and you know they're nice people and all that, but mm, sorry. You're not good enough to be a major league uh, play-by-play or color guy. Mm. Beautiful new spring training facility in Dunedin for the Blue Jays. They sent pictures. They spent, sent video. Nobody there to actually see it. No people actually working out in the weight room or players playing on the diamonds. It's all, it's all the physical beauty of it, and there are no human beings in any of these uh, videos, but it looks gorgeous. Too bad there's no reporters down there to report on things. I'll talk about that later. I'll talk about my experiences at spring training and what spring training really means to a team, but also to the fans. If you can get there, if you can't get there, you want a little word. You, you've been waiting all winter for just a nugget of something about baseball. Right. In hockey, the Leafs are flying and the Habs are grounded. And that's all you need to know if you're a Leafs fan, because about a year ago, Habs fans were going, hey, you got rid of Babcock. Hey, hey that's so good. Hey, hey, ha, ha. Now, Leaf fans are going, oh, you got rid of Julian. He's not so good. Huh? You're not so good. <laughs> Austin Matthews has a mysterious injury. It's a wrist injury. We don't know how bad it is. They're saying it's not that serious. I tell you, the way he's playing, I would never know he was hurt. And if he is, I can imagine how great he is when he's 100%. What a player. Yes. Does Kyle Lowry really want to be traded to Philadelphia, or is this some unfounded rumor designed to piss off Raptors fans? I think the latter. And what's with basketball reporter Doug Smith of the Toronto Star, a white guy, using the word thug when describing Dwight Howard, a black man? Shouldn't Smith know better? We'll talk about that as well. And the top sports publications, writers, and broadcasters as we review the week in sports media. (laughs) But I don't want to take too much away from Toronto Mike's show later today, which would be a sports media roundtable. Right. So I kind of have to ask you folks to listen to the Toronto Mike podcast as well to get a, a broader expanse when it comes to the discussion of sports media. You got a great number, Hebsey. It's 808. So episode 808 of Toronto Mike featuring go. Mark Hebsher. Episode 808. It's going to be a good one. All right. Um, and Tiger Woods. That just was like amazing, that story. But it, 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 the story was typical of a news cycle. 24 hours. All right, he's in surgery. We don't know if he's going to walk again. We don't know if he's going to play golf again. We know that he's alive. We know, and that's and that's it. You're not going to get anything from Tiger Woods's camp. They're not going to give you daily updates. 
Okay. I've got an update today because I'm a hardworking journalist who tries to find the truth. Wow. I'm not saying that everyone else is. <laughs> and Mike, since this is the end of Black History Month and I have, or we haven't on the show, really recognized um, Black History Month. I mean, certainly we talk about, uh, you know, all types of people, uh, athletes, owners, fans, managers, whatever. And many of them are black, but we haven't really taken the time or I haven't to recognize it. So the best I can do in this case here is come up with what I think is a really good trivia question, a black sports history trivia question, if that's okay. Of course. That's all right with you. It's it's I mean, more people than people might right. be offended by why why does it have to be a black? I have to hear the I mean, question first. Who was the first Jewish player to do this, or who was the first? Uh, it could be a Nazem Kadri question. Who was the first uh, player of Muslim uh, ethnicity to play in the NHL? But here's the question: mm-hmm. Only two black goaltenders have their name on the Stanley Cup. One is Grant Fuhr. Who's the other? The answer at the end of the show. You got to listen to the whole show. And and, and if you're going to be listening or watching this. Uh, later after the live you can't just fast forward to the very end you can't just take your finger and scrub it all the way to the very end right to get the answer this wouldn't be fair when we used to do this on sports line we would provide the trivia question at 11 30 p.m you didn't get the answer till 11 59 you had to wait right that's what we're gonna do so who's the only other goalie black goalie besides grant fear to have his name engraved on the stanley cup that's all coming up. But first, Mike, the days are getting longer. Baseball season's here. The Jays' first game of the season is against the Yankees on Sunday, but we're going to have to watch the game on Yes TV. That's the Yankees' entertainment system. Yes TV. Uh, because Sportsnet isn't planning on doing any games of their own. Now, this is the same company. This is Rogers. However, the Jays are saying, look, what they do over at Sportsnet, we don't have any control over here at the Blue Jays. To which I say, Bullshit. Mm. this is like your number one property this pro blue jays baseball programming not just the games themselves but the pregame and the postgame and all that takes up how many thousands of hours of programming that sportsnet has to have right a commitment of 162 games and two spring training games that's just unacceptable and i don't want to hear i don't want to hear Shapiro going, well, what they do is their business. Bull, come on. It's Rogers Communications. You want to get people to subscribe to Rogers, to watch Rogers. The advertisers want people to watch Blue Jay games because they're exciting. We're getting all this great news about their facility. And Vladdy's lost 142 pounds. He's going to pitch this year. And he's going to catch as well. Like all this stuff, this hype, it's everything else. But they're, they're not doing anything about it. They don't have a play-by-play broadcaster to replace Mike Wilner. I said before, you don't fire your play-by-play guy unless you've hired a new play-by-play do guy, you need two? right? Do you or need... your color man or whatever. You don't do that. Do you need two of them? Like, because I know, uh, I don't know ben, if Ben Wagner is in Florida right now, I believe. Like he's actually there. Uh, well, like... He's an American. Right, so he's, they sent him to Florida, right? I don't think he's been up in Canada. I don't think he's been here in over a year. What, what, right. He stayed in the States, right? Uh, I think you're absolutely right. So do you need, you need but to? I don't know how much access he has down there, Mike. I see some photos, that's all. But uh, you're right, he doesn't have a, doesn't <laughs> have a lot of access, existence. but he's, he is there. But uh, do, you need, do you need more than Ben? Don't you just need like a, a former player to sit beside Ben and do some uh, color analysis? Well, I'll give you an example. The best announcers, the best of them all, can work solo. You won't even notice another voice. It, they'll work solo. The idea originally of the color man was when there was a commercial break or, mm-hmm. or the 
play-by-play guy needed a drink or something, got to go to the bathroom, the color guy would fill in. And he wasn't really even the color guy. He was like, you know, this is brought to you by the sponsor. He'd be the, he'd be the, the local guy reading, you know, commercials live and throwing to commercial, maybe setting up the play-by-play guy with a question or now here he is, Mel Allen. Thank you very much, Mike. Here's the third inning here from Yankee Stadium. Vin Scully, for how many years? Worked without a color man. Right. It was Vin Scully the whole, and it was Vin. He set it up. He did the, you know, he made it dramatic sounding. That was Vin only. So who's to say that if you got the right person to do the whole game by themselves, and if they needed to take a breather, then they would take a breather. Is Ben Wagner so what? the right radio. person? You don't have to have you know constant yakking on radio. I don't think. Hebsey man is uh is Ben Wagner the right person? No, I don't think so. I think the fact that he and, and I, I would blame the Jays and Sportsnet as much for this, probably about the most low profile announcer that any sports team has. Again, I mean, you you know, Joe Bowen could walk in. You know, I, I, that's, I know that guy. I've been doing it for years. I know Joe. I know his voice. I know what he looks like. Ben Wagner does not have a distinctive enough voice that if you were to hear his voice not associated with baseball, you would go, oh, that's Ben Wagner, the Jays play-by-play right. guy. Right. And so, obviously, the first year that him and Wilner did uh, Blue Jays, which was last year? Two years ago. Two years ago, I believe. Jerry retired. What was Mike's first year, 2019? Yes. Okay. So, they did it that year. And, you know, I guess they got better. Obviously, they didn't know each other that well. And it's kind of tough to throw two guys together and hope that they, especially when it used to be Jerry and Joe Siddle. That was kind of difficult. And then last year was just a weird year and always <laughs> yes. you couldn't do the games. They weren't in Toronto. How do you couldn't travel with the team? All that stuff was weird. And then they decided to make a change, but all they did in the change was they let Wilner go and they haven't found a replacement or they're taking their sweet time about it. And they have no baseball game scheduled on the radio, which is, that's the one thing, you know, the fan would send their whole crews down there. They would do a spring training live from Florida. You can't do that this year. All the reporters are doing their work from Toronto. It's nuts. And all the video we see is via the team, right? I want to hear about sure. the progress of Vladdy. I want to hear about Nate Pearson. I don't want to hear Michael Kay and Ken Singleton on Yes TV going, well, let me tell you about Glaber Torres and the offseason that he had. I'm a Jays fan. I want to hear about the offseason that Vladdy had. I want to hear about Kevin Biggio is going to play third base now. Every, every day it changes. Oh, we've decided today we rolled the dice. We had a Scrabble game today, and 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 Vladdy's going to be our first baseman, and Kevin's going to be our third baseman. <laughs> Simeon at second, Bo at short. Okay, good. Lourdes, I guess, back in the outfield, and even though he's taking ground balls at third, second, first, catching, who knows, right? We got that kid Springer who we just picked up, free agents worth a few hundred million. He's our center fielder. And our right fielder is going to be Tay Oscar, and it looks like Randall Gritchick's going to be the fourth outfielder, Right, and Vladdy's going to play first, which means Rowdy Telez will be a, a DH and might play some first base if if Vladdy's DHing, and we'll have a utility infielder in there as well, and and we have two catchers, Alejandro Kirk and uh, Danny Jansen, and we'll have um, Ryu and a bunch of nobodies on the pitching staff, and we'll make the playoffs again this year, but we won't get to see the team. We're not going to be back in Toronto, probably not this year. We're hoping, maybe you never know, but it doesn't look like it. I say if they, I say if the if the Olympics go in July in Tokyo, if they go off, then I believe at that time the Blue Jays would consider, depending on the border situation, opening up for the Blue Jays to be able to 
play some home games. That way, if the restaurants are open, if the bars are open to an extent, then why can't you open uh, the dome to a limited number of fans to start with? Why, why can't you bring that back uh, with a slow trickle? To be able to say, you know what, folks, our August and September schedules will take place in Toronto with limited fans. Um, the, the, hopefully by then, if you came from the States, you wouldn't have to quarantine for 14 days. Maybe not even 24 hours. Maybe you wouldn't have to quarantine as long as you could prove that you had a um, um, the shot. Right. You get your, The thing yeah. only 3% of Canadians have. What do they call that? The vaccine? <laughs> right. So, yeah, hopefully that'll be the case. I feel bad for all the reporters. I feel, I'll tell you later my stories about going to spring training. I could not imagine covering spring training if I couldn't go to spring training. Right. How tough would that be? Um, anyway, so we want to know about Vladdy. We want to know about Kevin. We want to know about Bo. We want to know more than what we can get from these Zoom uh, news conferences, which are so impersonal. And as fans, we're used to having more information. And we get those through the local broadcast, which we're not going to get from down there. We get that through diligent reporting from trusted journalists, which we're not going to get. Only limited. Only the team will just spoon out a little bit at a time. Don't forget, the team is controlling all this now. All these teams control the message now. You might have one member of the media that's your go-to person. You know, that reports on it and and everyone else gets it. But then maybe one person gets it before everybody else. And that's another problem with the Jays is it seems that all the American national reporters get the news before the Jays reporters do. Makes their job even more difficult. And no word of the radio games and who's going to join Ben Wagner in the booth and how long Ben's going to be in the booth. And if, in fact, they're just going to use Dan and Buck in a simulcast situation, which is likely going to happen. Dan is still in um, Connecticut. Buck's in New Jersey. I think that's where he lives. They're close enough to ESPN and the MLB studios that they can do work from there. It's not difficult to find studio time. Certainly, you don't even need that. You can do it out of your living room, I guess. The engineers come set up a bunch of monitors. So you've got the wild feed of the game that you're doing right. in, in Tampa or St. Pete. You've got all the camera shots available to you. And you talk, and they did a good job last year. I thought Dan and Buck off the monitors. But that's just something that we're <clears throat> going to have to get used to. Now, as far as program director of the fan goes, the name Don Collins has resurfaced. Really? Well, listen, they don't have, again, this is the same thing, Rogers. You don't fire your old program director until you've hired your new program director. You don't fire your old, it's like the old Mary Tyler Moore show. Mary, you don't fire your old sportscaster until you've hired your new sportscaster. That's a kind of a law (laughs) in broadcasting, right? Right. Um, So Don Collins' name comes up because... How many other names do we know? Him and Nelson Millman are the only two other guys I can think of that were program directors at the fan. Anyway, and he's under 70 years of age, so (laughs) (laughs) he might be the perfect guy. But he's the guy that hired Tim and Sid. But he's also the guy that hired Dean Blundell. And and again, Tim and Sid was an established brand, right? He brought them over, but they were on your your old station, The Score, right? I don't know about that. I don't know if they were an established brand. They, They were to a small portion of the uh, audience at the score television network. And they had a cult following, no doubt, but I'm not sure because I'd remember he tried to pitch them to Scott Moore and Scott Moore said, I, I don't want both those guys they are clowns. <laughs> and Collins insisted. Uh, I think Scott Moore wanted only Tim, but not Sid. And Collins insisted on the two of them and, and he won out and um, worked out pretty well up until now where this is it. The farewell tour oh, is over. Oh, today, I think. I think today's the final bow. Is today a final bow? I think so. Man, it's been 
what a tour it's been. Actually, their <laughs> best shows have been since Sid announced his retirement because <laughs> they've gone over the stuff that they've done over the last hundred years and picked out some of the best segments and all that. And uh, yeah, he's going to go to breakfast. Are you going to get up early to watch Sid's uh, <laughs> debut on breakfast television? What do you think? With Frankie Flowers and uh, Dina Pugliese and I... Tammy Sutherland. And let me see if I know that whole crew there. Steve Anthony's still working there? No, no, no he's long gone. Um, <laughs> he was at CP24, remember? Liza Fromer's still there? Long gone, long gone. <laughs> Beverly Thompson. Next, you're going to say Ann Romer. No, no, no. Beverly Thompson? Uh, no, no, uh, no. I don't. Seamus O'Reilly or Egan? No, I think he's in Parliament now. Jeff Hutchison. Long Come gone. On, what show was that? That was Canada AM. Oh right. Yeah. I'm sorry, I knew that all the I know time. That's a I know you're doing a. Do I know you. Although I'm in, in having been in the broadcast business, I think I can get away with stuff like that. Anyway, Don Collins' his name has resurfaced. Who knows what they're doing? Uh, Greg Sansoni's got to hire the right people here. And, and I'm wondering how much influence other people outside of uh, the programming department of uh, the fan are, you know, can stick their nose in and maybe make some comments and su suggestions as to who he should hire, shouldn't hire. They got some work to do. And like I said before, Scott MacArthur always wanted to do the Blue Jays. And I think that if the opportunity presented itself for Scott, he would take that gig doing baseball. That's so his first love. Put him in the booth beside Ben Wagner? Put him in the booth by himself. Let Ben Wagner be the sideline reporter. But as Scott's got some play-by, because you can't just start with the Blue Jays. You got to... Why not? I feel like that's a play-by-play. -play. You got to, you know... I don't know. I just talked to Lisa Bowes and she was telling me, you know, you got to call, you got to put in your reps. That's the old way though. Oh, okay. See, that's not the way it is now. The way it is now is you put people on the air that maybe don't have the experience, but you're taking a hunt. You're taking a chance. It's a hunch. That's what they did with me. So don't put this Hepshire guy in the air. He's crazy out of his mind. <laughs> My boss said, no, let's put him and see what happens. Right. And it's things exciting. worked out. Okay. <laughs> and I, I just think that, you know, you could look, Ben Wagner did 10 years of Buffalo Bisons games. Right. A perfectly capable broadcaster. Just to me, doesn't, I don't know, he's not quite um, Toronto or okay. Canada for that or major league. Okay, but Scott is. So just put Scott and Ben in the booth and see what happens. Right. For, okay. What did I just say? I thought you were saying Scott alone. That's what I thought you were saying there. Why you not? Said, well, because what, what are you going to do with Ben? <laughs> you need, I don't know. Like, not my don't... problem. I, okay, not your not problem. problem. Yeah. It really isn't. I want to listen to an engaging, entertaining baseball broadcast. Okay, so I what's your fan? That's not asking too much. When you take Scott off the morning show, uh, what's your what's your new morning show? Like, what would you do? I told you. Tim McAuliffe, oh, and Natasha Staniszewski, Dan O'Toole. <clears throat> Speaking of Dan O'Toole, yeah. uh, his partner, Jay Onright's done a couple weeks now of SportsCenter. So I think three weeks of SportsCenter solo. And you know what? It's a, uh, it's a good show. He's a good broadcaster. Mm -hmm. It's different, obviously, without Dan there, you know, to go back and forth with. But he's got enough segments where he's interviewing people, where he's, um, you know, they've they, they've done some good bits. It's it's a good show, and it's got to be difficult. It has to be awfully difficult for Jay to carry on by himself without his writer, without his producer, without his longtime co-host. So good on that. However, TSN also has. How do I say this, Mike, without being called a racist or a sexist or an ageist or a whatever? Uh, TSN has someone on the air that they brought in recently to that's not really very good. Uh, and this person is not a white male. So if I mention the person's name, people will be all over me. 
but what does and this so person I don't want do? to do that, but I just want to say that that I'm I'm honestly, if someone is talented or not, if they're talented, they deserve the job. And if they're not talented, they shouldn't be on the air. And my honest opinion of this person is, is they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. They've got some talent, but not for what they're doing. And well, can, can, there can are you, other talented people that should have that job. Can you tell us what they're doing? Yeah, they're, uh, they're anchoring on SportsCenter. Okay, I'll try to think Now, the Blue way. Jays have gotten hundreds of applications from aspiring play-by-play and color men who want to, uh, and women who want to replace Mike Wilner. And I want to bring up the fact that we in Canada here say that we support and uh, encourage females to get into the sports media business, and many have, and are very successful at it. But that doesn't mean squat unless you've got a female voice doing play-by-play. Right? You can't just say, oh, yeah, we got women on the air. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. The plum job in any sport is play by play. Am I right, Mike? I think you're right, Hebsey. No matter what the sport is, basketball, baseball, football, hockey, it doesn't really matter if it's television or radio. You are doing play by play. You are describing the play of a professional sport. You're doing every game. That's the plum job. We don't have any females on the air in Canada, to my knowledge, that are calling. Um, Men's play-by-play sports. Uh, well, there might be one. Wait a second. Raptors 905? Okay, I thought And you were I haven't talking... heard the games or seen them, okay. so I'm not positive. But I thought you were talking about top tier. Okay, NHL. let's talk about the, yeah. ma- the talk majors. About the majors, yeah. We, we, don't, we don't have that. Certainly not men's sports <clears throat> that I know of. So um, why not take a chance? Well, what's the problem there? Well, if we're promoting minorities, if we're promoting um, persons of color, if we're promoting females, if we're promoting anything but white males, you know, to come on. It's been many years of uh, white male dominance. Come on, <clears throat> apply for the job. Try to get your chops. That's another thing. How do you how do you get your experience? Like you say, Mike, you can't just show up and say, I've never done play-by-play at any level, but I want to do the Jays or I want to do the Leafs or I want to do the Raptors. Well, not easy. So who's doing that? Who's taking the big steps to say, let's let's get some female voices on the air as play-by-play or even in the booth? I was watching DAZN the other day, um, and it was an English Premier League game, and I don't know the woman's name. She was calling the play-by-play, and, and she was excellent. It took me about 10 seconds to realize it, didn't matter, it doesn't matter. It's a woman's voice. She's good. Right. I'm listening to the content. I'm not listening to the timber of the voice. Right. And I don't know who she was, and I had asked, I had asked someone about it. And these broadcasters are very – it's a disembodied voice. If you don't recognize the voice, they don't tell you. I think at the beginning of the game, maybe and at the beginning of the half, they might put the name of the broadcaster up on the screen or the person throwing from the studio says, and now let's join, you know, Mark Hepsher in, you know, Leeds or whatever it is. And so I'm listening going, well, this girl's good. And then I thought, well, why don't we must have people like that here in Canada? We just have women that are capable of calling play by play. Why is it a white guy all the time? Or why is it a guy all the time? Hebsey man, do you know of any uh, women who have applied for the play-by-play gig at uh, on Blue Jay Games on the radio? Like, do you know yes. of any? Oh, but they don't believe that they're going to get it. But the two okay. That I know. okay, they don't believe that they're going to get it. But that doesn't mean that they can't restructure the radio broadcast similar to the 
uh, television broadcast where Hazel May is a part of the broadcast. She's not calling the play, but under normal circumstances, she's there. She's down in the, the photographer's bay. She, she's aware of what's going on in the dugout. She's um, a sideline reporter there, right? So it's part of the broadcast. But I'm talking about actually calling the play. Right. Like you're telling me that they said, you know what? Uh, Dan's away. He's doing college basketball, whatever. Hazel, go up in the booth and call the game with Buck. Well, that's going to be such a bad thing. Oh, God, no, we don't want to hear Hazel. She doesn't know anything about baseball. She knows baseball. I mean, she had a slip earlier this year when she, you know, said that the Jays had acquired Michael Brantley, and they hadn't. And right. She didn't apologize for that. But nonetheless, I would say she's probably, amongst all the baseball broadcasters, female baseball broadcasters, the most experienced of them all and deserves a shot in the booth if she wants that. Why not? I'm with you. Yeah, but I still think you have to put in your rep somewhere. I think you got to call some baseball games below the Where major you league. Go? You're going to tell me well, that Hazel's you just said gonna Ben spent going to go to class A ball and <laughs> Well, Ben spent you said a decade calling uh, uh uh I almost called them Bills games, but he was not calling Bills games. Bison's games before he got the call. Like I feel like you got to go somewhere, right? You got to go somewhere. Well, you know, go call the hype. I know I mean, it's what, bad time. What are you looking for in a play-by-play broadcaster? Seriously. Looking for clarity. Yeah. You're looking for, if it's television, certainly you want, you, it's not as important because you can see what's kind of going on there. It's a little different. So you, you need a, a good chemistry with your uh, partner as, you know, for years, Pat Summerall and John Madden. And now, of sure. course, you've got uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo, or you've got um, Buck, Joe Buck with uh, Troy Aikman. There's always been these great combinations um, that take time. Unfortunately for Ben Wagner, he hasn't had that opportunity really because the guy he was trying to develop a relationship with and mesh with is gone now and right. his, he's in limbo. He can't do any games and he's not going to get his reps in this spring, it doesn't look like, because it doesn't sound like the fan's going to be doing these games. Uh, I don't know. Do you have, should you have two people in the booth? And if so, should one of them be a woman? Uh, you if she's have- good enough for that job? I still think at some point they're just going to have Buck and Dan call it for TV and simulcast it on the radio. I think you're right. I think you're right. I'm going to talk about spring training a little bit later on. Let's get to hockey now. And despite changing coaches from Claude Julien to Dominic Ducharme, the result was all too familiar for Montreal Canadiens fans as they blew a 3-1 second period lead and lost 6-3 to the Winnipeg Jets in the NHL's Northern Division, which, by the way, Jay Onright calls the Gord Downey Memorial Division. Nice. On his, which I think is pretty cool. I like that. So in the Gore Downey Memorial Division, uh, featuring all Canadian teams, Montreal now 10 points back of the Maple Leafs. Wow. 10. Wow. But they have two games in hand. The Leafs bounce back nicely against... Hebsy man, you cut out. Oh, okay. And they have a game in hand on Edmonton, and Edmonton takes on Toronto tomorrow night, Saturday night in Edmonton, as the McDavid-Matthews matchups matchup takes shape again. I like this. I'm really liking this. McDavid leads the NHL. He will win the Art Ross probably this year. He's got 40 points. Austin Matthews is uh, tied for third with 31 points, but Matthews leads the NHL in scoring with 18. By the way, Leon Dreisaitl second in the the scoring race behind his uh, teammate McDavid. So Matthews has 18 goals to lead the league. McDavid is second in the league with 14 goals. And there's talk now that Matthews has been playing with and nursing a wrist injury. That's been bothering him all year. To which I said, are you kidding me with that? He's got a wrist injury? Right, right. Imagine if he's 100%. 
Art Hindle. And the talk has been, and of course you're going to get this, can Matthew score 50? Of course. Can he score 50? Which How would many be games amazing. are they scheduled out? What are they, 56, 56 games? 56, I think. Is that what they said? It's 56, I think, which is unbelievable if he can get there, and he might get there. But Art Hindle, the great Art Hindle, uh, thinks Matthew's got hurt in the last game there. I don't know if he's got a good source on that, but yeah. Well, you know, he. I think what happened in the last game, and Art's right, is, and thanks, by the way, Art, the famous Art Hindle who right. played... Uh, uh, well, Jim McKenney actually was the stand-in for Art Hindle in the movie Face Off. Right. Art's got some great stories to tell. Have you had him on your show? I I should have Art Hindle. Art Hindle, I'm coming for you, brother. Art's great. He's the, got the best stories. I'm the sold. Best. I don't know why it took me so long. Pretty good golfer, too. He also thinks you should be the morning show on the Fan 590. He couldn't get me up that morning. That <laughs> morning. You'd have to pay me a lot of money for that. I'd have to, you'd have to send a chauffeur <laughs> to my house. Make me eggs in the morning and then drive me to work. Um, and so, yeah, what happened with Matthews was he re-aggravated, which that's a great word, isn't it? Right. You yes. re-aggravate something, right? <laughs> and we've all done Aggravate that. it. Yeah. If it's been aggravated once, if it happens again, it's a re-aggravation. That's what happened the other night. He says, or apparently the sources say, that it's been bothering him all year long, the wrist injury. Okay. So, man, if he ever gets healthy, can you imagine? that release still Leafs and Oilers would make a terrific playoff series. Now, oh Alex my God. Go two rounds, first round with Montreal and second round with the Oilers. That would be amazing. Wouldn't it? Yeah. I, uh, I'm all in. It's going to happen. <laughs> Let's go to basketball. Now. Uh, Kyle Lowry's agent says that there's no truth that his client has asked for a trade to Philadelphia prior to the March 25th trade deadline. This is going to be an ongoing story. Shit. It just is right. A story making the rounds on social media, but Lowry's agent quickly shot it down. It could be a dilemma for the Raptors, who I think could go very far in the East with Lowry. And having said that, if you can trade Lowry for the right player or combination of players, and one of those happens to be a big man in the middle right. to replace the, the Marcus Gasol and the Serge Ibaka, the rim protector, as it were, then you might have to make that trade. You have to be very, very judicious. You have to be very careful. Kyle's an icon. And I think that he would say, look, if you want to or it's possible before the deadline, I won't say no. And, and, and not that I'm willing or excited to leave, but I will leave if the situation comes up, if you can get a good deal for me. I would hope that would be the case. Well, And look, Masai Ujiri under the gun a bit, man. And Bobby Webster under the gun a bit here with this. The question is, the team they have now, with a healthy Lowry, with everyone healthy, can they win the East? And I think they can. And I think you kind of, your fans deserve it to, to give it your best shot this year with the, with the crew that you've got. To hope that Chris Boucher improves to the point where he can be that rim protector. And him and Baines together can handle the middle. Maybe you can get another player somewhere along the line. Maybe you can trade some other spare parts. Um, you've got a pretty deep bench. You know, maybe a trade, maybe a Terrence Davis or something. I don't know to get that big guy that all championship teams need. Interesting, interesting, because of course that's Kyle Lowry going home. He might, he might be okay with it going home, and he seems to be. I think that team with Kyle Lowry, that team has a chance to win the East. But so. you can't trade him in your division to Philly. You can't. <laughs> I mean, that's the team that you would have to take down to probably. Right. To, right. to win the East. So you couldn't do that, man. You just couldn't. The only way you do that is if you're out of it and you don't think you have any chance to go places in the playoffs. But having right. said that, 
I'm concerned about Pascal Siakam. And I think that if you were to trade Lowry, then you put more pressure on Siakam, the minutes he's playing, the quality minutes. And, and the other night was a great example. He only played 24 minutes in the loss to Miami on Wednesday. They, they played back-to-back, right? They lost to Milwaukee, and then they had to play Miami. I think, was that? Yeah, it was Miami. Uh, Milwaukee, then Miami, right? Yeah. Uh, my wife loved and the so, uh, heat uniform, by the way. Yeah, oh, I don't like those. Yeah, my wife liked them. I know. I know. Yeah, I, my girlfriend did too. She thought, oh, I like that. I said, Why I can't get it's one of those? Strange, eh? Okay. Anyway, Siakam played 24 minutes in the loss to Miami Wednesday at way below his season average of 36.2 minutes per game, which is a lot. He scored a mere five points, one of six shooting from the field, one of three from deep. And they're saying he may be fatigued. Do you think? <laughs> Guy plays 40 minutes. Right. Each of the Raptors' last two games. That's why Nick Nurse chose to sit him for the last 14 and a half minutes of the game in a game that they could have won had Nurse taken him off the bench and put him back out in the court. But Nurse felt his rotation was playing well, and they did play well, just not well enough to win. So it's sort of one of those, we could have won this game, but do I want to, not waste, but do I want to utilize Siakam when he really needs, like you say, Mike, a blow? He really did. <laughs> to not put him in for even a couple of minutes there in the fourth when they were within, I think, five or six points. You're wondering, what's going on here? He's not being be- he's not being benched because of poor performance. Necessarily. He's being benched because he's bagged. And this is the same coach nurse that said to Kawhi Leonard 22 times, you don't even have to suit up. You don't even suit up. Stay. Relax. Get a nap in. We all understand. He was fresh as a daisy in the playoffs. And one of the main reasons why we won the championship and you got to have Siakam that way in the playoffs. And the only way to do that, I think is you, unless you get a great deal for Lowry, you got to keep Kyle Lowry. Cause when Lowry's in the lineup and Siakam's in the lineup playing well and OG and, and um, Fred and Norm Clark, Norm Powell, why do I call him Norm Clark? Norm Powell. <laughs> Norm Powell. That, that's a, that's, that's, and that doesn't even include your big guy, whoever your big guy is. You sold me, Hebsey. You're good at this because I was all set to, you know, you know, send Lowry to Philly. But you've sold me. Let's let's go. Raps give it one fifth. more run, one more go. They're fifth in the East. Fifth, mind you, they're a half game from missing the playoffs. Yeah. But at the same time, they're like three games from being the second best team in the in the East. And here's a key, Mike. Yeah, they're seven and seven at home. Seven and seven in Tampa, which is their home, which really isn't their home. Right. Right. If they were playing at home. Even if there were no fans, but they were allowed to play in their hometown, yeah, I guarantee you they're way better than seven. You're seven. so right. You're so way better. So that's a great point. You're right. It's a homeless team. It's uh, yeah. how do they stay fresh? How do they stay competitive? You have right. got to give them a lot of credit for that. Yeah, they're at a huge disadvantage. Even if their families are with them in Florida, they still got to get in a plane and travel to all these other places. And Toronto isn't one of them. Raptors beat writer Doug Smith of the Toronto Star should have known better when he tweeted this out on Tuesday night at 621 prior to the Raptors Philly game. That's right. It was Philly. They played on Tuesday, not Milwaukee. That was a week before Philly Tuesday. They lost. They had beaten Philly the week before. Right. They lost to Philly and then they lost the next night in Miami. So Doug Smith of the Raptors tweets. Now tweeting is you type something and then you think you look at it again. You think about it and then you hit the tweet button. Sure. If you don't think about it and you're in some kind of a hurry or you figure, you know, that's going to be fine and you hit tweet, you're the one responsible. 
you're responsible for the fallout. So this is what Doug Smith tweets. Quote, I'll just say it. Dwight Howard is more of a thug than a basketball player now. So immediately, and Doug Smith has a lot of followers, Jeremy Mulder on Twitter. Doug Smith's words were incredibly lazy, but more important, void of understanding and jarringly insensitive. There's a thousand ways he could have expressed that sentiment. He chose a word that couldn't have been more of a racist dog whistle. Mm. Now, I think anyone that knows Doug Smith knows he's not a racist, the furthest thing from a racist. But what he tweeted had racist overtones. And if he wasn't aware that the word thug in that particular capacity, the way things are these days, the sensitivity around words and the fact that he's talking about Dwight Howard, the first question was, would he have described a white player as a thug? And did he? Let's go back over his writings. Has he used that word frequently enough that it doesn't matter who he's talking about? He's, he uses it a lot. Um, people couldn't find many references of Doug Smith referring to any players as a thug. Right. Anthony Doyle on Twitter writes, tons of black people were telling him to delete the tweet. It didn't get done, though, until Katie Nolan, who's a big star on ESPN in the States, replied, and then it was gone in less than a minute. What's your take here, Mike? I think this is the problem here. I it is very possible, and let's give Doug the benefit of the doubt that he had, you know, when he used the word thug, I mean, we're both big hip fans, right? And there's a great tragically hip song called Thugs. Yes. And that, as far as I know, that song, there's no racial connotation with that. Like, the word thug, no. Doug, probably. No, but that, that song was written in 1994. No, right, 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 right. So, but, and but the Doug's word an thug old dude. today. <laughs> Doug's an old guy. Can mean different things. Yeah, you know, no doubt he shouldn't have used that word. But I'm, I would give Doug, who I've never met, I should point out, so he's not a buddy or anything. Uh, he probably, I give him the benefit of the doubt, he probably didn't realize it. But if you saw on but Twitter... shouldn't he have realized it though? But here's the thing. How, this is, Hebsey, this is my problem with it all. I saw the replies immediately coming to Doug, and there were hundreds of these replies telling him, delete that tweet, apologize, that, you know, basically explain to Doug why that's an inappropriate word to use in that context. Right, and right. Doug, they weren't calling him a racist. They were saying, Doug, you got to take that tweet down. Right. You gotta, we know that you're not, yeah, that's not you, but you've got to own it. Right. So here's my problem. My problem is, you know, after hundreds of tweets from, you know, white people, people of color, everybody just telling Doug, you know, you know, delete take that, take it down, take it down. It was this follow-up tweet from Doug Smith I found to be rather insensitive, even more insensitive because he wrote, having heard from one woman I respect greatly and whose opinions I hold dearly, I have deleted an earlier tweet and apologized for using a word I shouldn't, even if it was inadvertent. I should have said, I'll just say it, Dwight Howard's more of a basketball bully than a basketball player right now. So it just comes across like, okay, I know hundreds and hundreds of people have told me this is an insensitive, inappropriate word and I should delete it. But this one person, this one woman I respect told me that I should do it. So right away it's gone. That to me, had, I didn't like the jibe of that. It seemed like he was dismissing. I, see, I didn't see that. Yeah. Because that, I'm, okay. I've been blocked by Doug Smith. Oh. And I'll give you some background. Okay. When I was writing my book, The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard Of, yeah. while I was writing the book, a story came out in the Toronto Star about Olympic heroes. It was, I think, during the 2016 Olympics. And there was this whole big feature. And part of the feature was George Orton 
as the first Canadian to win an Olympic gold medal. Right. And the photo that they had um, attached to the story was a photo that I had said in my book a million times is not him. The photo was actually a photo of his brother. Right. And so this is published in the Toronto Star. And I contacted Doug Smith. Um, I direct messaged him actually to say, hey, just a heads up, buddy. Uh, professional courtesy, but that's, you've got the wrong photo there. Uh, and it would be the, 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 the prudent thing to do would be to, you know, you know uh, correct it. Right. You know, to, uh, you know, the family sees it and says, well, that's not him. I mean, it's just, you got it wrong. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't do this uh, on a public forum. I did this because I felt that Doug should know you know, maybe it wasn't his call. Maybe the photo editor or whatever said, oh, here's a picture of George Orton. I said, hey, Doug, just a heads up. I'm writing the book, the biography of the guy, and, and that's not him. And so, you know, he was like, okay, thanks. Appreciate the heads up. And I'll talk to the editor and, you know, we'll fix it. Well, they never fixed it mm-hmm. at all, which I didn't like. And the public editor never got back to me. So it's still out there. If you go into the Star Archives and you look up George Orton, there's going to be a picture of his brother next to it. <clears throat> and then... A few months later, I had tweeted something. I didn't like the way DeMar DeRozan was playing, but I had tweeted something, and others were tweeting too, about how poorly he was playing and and perhaps a trade for DeMar DeRozan. Well, Doug Smith went wild on Twitter and said, you SOB, and then I'm blocking you. How dare you say those things? Wow. Now, I didn't know at the time that he was writing the DeMar DeRozan biography or that he was really close with DeMar DeRozan or that his avatar is a picture of him standing next to DeMar DeRozan. Right. And so... I got to thinking that, you know, he's mad at me here mm-hmm. um, when he should have thanked me for giving him a heads up for not making him look bad by saying, hey, Doug, you know, I could have gone, hey, Doug, you know, at least if you're going to print a story, like get the facts right. You are a journalist. But I didn't. Right. I gave him a personal heads up. And then he came back and said, I'm blocking you because of something I said about DeMar DeRozan. Wow. And this is where I got the feeling that Doug Smith was more concerned about his personal relationships with Raptors players and such like that. So they could get access right. versus being a journalist. Yeah. Not very, you know, why wouldn't you just say, Hey Mark, no problem, man. I'm, you know, we shouldn't, that we're the, we're the Toronto star. We don't print untruths. And, and if we do, we correct them and we apologize for them. Now what happened to people owning up to their mistakes in journalism? Where did that go? <sighs> It's, I don't know him and, at all. And that tweet that you just read to me that yeah. I, I, I didn't get, right. that's more disturbing than the first that, one. That's my, so that, I, I, you know why I, I give benefit of the doubt on the thugs because I once had a very talented woman of color, a black woman in my studio for an episode of mm-hmm. Toronto Mike. And she was being very difficult and kind of mean to me, to be quite honest. And I, mm-hmm. I said, uh, I can't, the exact phrase I used was something like, I was getting diva-like vibes from her. I said that to her. And she just ripped into me, and she said, she talked about uh, that the connotations of a black woman being a diva. And I will swear to you, Hebzi, and I promise I you, I had no idea that there was racial connotation to the word diva, because I think... I uh, had no idea. Barbara Streisand, I think of lots of non-black mm. women who are divas. I think of it as like a difficult, talented song, chanteuse, if you will. Anyway, right, exactly. so... I learned that day that the, that's that that it would offend a black woman to use the word diva in that connotation, and I've never done it again. I learned my lesson. I plead ignorance at the time. It's very possible Doug, who's an older dude, didn't realize that the word thug uh, has changed over the last few decades, and that there were racial connotations to it. Right? So and then he can just apologize and say, "I didn't know. I'm really sorry." Instead, that whole like one woman wow, I trust told one. me to take it down. I'm going to take it down. When I saw hundreds and hundreds, a woman, a woman I trust, right, right. So that, it's like that. 
That's very disturbing. That right. and so all the people prior to that, those that followed Doug on Twitter and suggested to him, right, or, or demanded take it down, right, were not people whose opinions he trusted. But right. when Katie Nolan, with a million followers from ESPN, yeah, says, if it like, was Come her. on, Doug, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. She, he probably was like, oh, oh my God, Katie Nolan, geez, I better look at that tweet again. She's really popular from the United States, and she could, you know, she could destroy my career unless I take that down. So that was like that, that, right? that follow-up tweet I found bothersome because it was like, I disregard the hundreds of followers who told me that that was an offensive term to use in that context. But this one person, this one woman I trust told me, so it's gone and I'm sorry. And then he wrote that whole editorial in the star the next You've got day. that tweet still? Yeah, of course. That one's still public. He didn't I, take I can, that tweet down? No, that one's still up there. Yeah. He only oh took God. down the initial tweet, but that one's still up there. <laughs> oh my God. He's lucky that he's got lots of friends that want this to blow over, right? He's lucky. I mean, his, you know, the Raptors PR person is Jennifer Quinn, who used to be his boss at the star. She was the sports editor. He was there. They're all pals there. It's very, you know, and Doug's the one who runs the press conferences pretty much. Right. You know, he asks all the questions and right. he's Mr. Raptor and wrote the team history and all that kind of stuff. But come on. So, he I mean, if mistake. he was writing that column for the star, right. would he have looked at it and said, eh, maybe I shouldn't use the word thug? But have you, we're not Should trying he be to... tweeting stuff, Doug Smith? Okay, but that you can make that human error and use that term not realizing, because you can you correct. Can really, right? It's but then, then you... correct it, though. Right. Own up to your mistake. Don't right. make it worse by saying, I, uh, I didn't believe anybody else. How could you all be offended? But geez, if Katie Nolan's offended, I better take it down. You know, last season, Leo Rowden's used the term something like he's playing like he's got a noose around his neck or something to that effect. He said it in the in play by play. And immediately, the, the I mean, the number of apologies and, you know, Leo. Well, look at Brian Burke stepping on your throat until. Uh, has he apologized he for that? Yeah. Uh, has he apologized for that? I don't think he did. No, I don't think so. No, but my point is that, you know, immediately, like, I shouldn't have said that. That was a mistake. I didn't mean anything by it and then own the mistake and just move on. And we right. wouldn't even be talking. I don't think we'd be talking about the Doug Smith thing if he had just done that instead of that strange follow-up. Uh, one woman I trust told me this, whatever. Anyway, so. I think you're right. You know. I think you really have to be extremely sensitive to what's going on in the world. And, and put your ego in your back pocket instead of writing something snappy or cute or a nice headline grabber, right? Let's call him a thug. Let's see. He's more of a thug than he is a basketball player. That's one of those things. You didn't have to write that. That doesn't have to be part of your game story. You know what I mean? I I do. You could now, if he would have said, if he would have said something like this, Back when the bad boys were dominating the NBA with the Detroit Pistons, the Bill Lambeers and other thugs, then you could get away with it because you're making a comparison between a white guy that you called a thug back in 1990, right? Right. The bad boys of the Detroit Pistons. Right. They were all thugs. The whole team was thugs. They would beat you up. That's what it meant. Thugs. They'd beat you up, beat you to a pulp. But that's 1990. Mm-hmm. That's 30 years ago, man. And unless you drew that comparison and said, I haven't seen, I haven't seen thug like antics since, since Bill Lambeer and the bad boys of the Pistons, then right. it works just fine. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Minnesota Timberwolves shooting guard Malik Beasley has been suspended for 12 games without pay by the NBA. Why, Mike? Why, why 12 games? What do you think the offense here was? Did he uh okay. I, I I don't know. You tell NBA me. player. 
Yeah. 12 game suspension. What did he do wrong? Uh, he, he spoke poorly about the NBA head office and a pub press conference. No, no, no. Go on. What did he do? What did he do? Yeah, wrong? I was going to say, maybe he got caught smoking weed, but they're allowed to smoke drugs. Weed nope. 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 <laughs> right. Nope. Okay. Well, okay. some, but not really. Uh, I, I, what could you do to get a 12 game suspension? Come on, uh, he punched somebody, he punched somebody Something on the court. Something violent. Sure. He punched somebody on the court. Ding, 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 ding. Winner. Okay. Uh, he recently pleaded guilty to a felony charge of threats of violence. Uh, Beasley in his fifth NBA season, averaging a career best 20.5 points. We wouldn't be talking about him if he had like an average of two points a game. He was sentenced earlier this month to 120 days in jail for the incident September 26th when he pointed a rifle outside his home in suburban Minneapolis at a family on a house hunting tour. Wow. Police later found weapons and marijuana in the home. Wow. 12 game suspension. Hi, we're looking in this neighborhood. Oh, there's a guy with a shotgun. Oh my God. <laughs> it seems a, yeah. And he's a big, big guy too. He looks mean and he's got a rifle pointing at us. And this is Minneapolis. It's a nice little neighborhood in Minneapolis. I Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. Hey. That's uh that should be, that's illegal. You can't do that. It's not 12 games, buddy. That's a lot. That's more, as far as I'm concerned, that's more than 12 games. That's a lot. Okay. Have you seen this Hyundai commercial? Have I talked about this commercial? It's been airing all over the place for the new Hyundai. And it's a, a lady and her son uh, who looks to be about eight, but he's like, she's carrying him. And he's like, did you go to the bathroom, Jake? You know, I don't have to go. Oh, and then they're leaving this. and the father's mowing the lawn. Did you go to the bathroom, Jake? I don't have to go. And then as they're driving, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And the mother is driving, not recklessly, but she's, you know, trying to get to their destination because he's going, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. On the original commercial, mm-hmm. she gets to their destination, the school or whatever it is. She jumps out of the car. I'm coming. And when she gets to the kid, the kid goes, too late. Oh. And then, the sh- and then there's a shot of the two of them walking like into the school. Right. Too late. <laughs> is this a commercial for like diapers or is this a commercial for oh. a Hyundai? Poor guy. It made no sense. And it aired for a couple of weeks. Right. Until finally someone said, oh, no, we got to recut this commercial. We have to get rid of that. <laughs> right. Part, but the rest of the commercial is the same. Do you have to go pee? And so is it like it's a commercial? I'm waiting to see if the kid pees his pants or the beautiful handling and luxurious interior of the Hyundai. And so now on the edited commercial, it's the same. The same start of the commercial, same. And he go, he's in the car and he's going, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. And then they edit out the part where he goes too late. Right. The mother jumps out of the car, right. And then the next shot you see is the two of them walking into the school wouldn't she be running with him wouldn't she carrying him wouldn't she be holding his hand and running quickly because he hasn't gone yeah right because it's a commercial emergency. makes less sense now <laughs> it's a dumb commercial and it and they're airing the hell out of it which i always thought was that that makes the commercial the most annoying it's our run of schedule and it's scheduled to run you know eight times during a raptors game Here's what I don't like about that. Ten times during a leaf. I know that you're right. You're right. Ad nauseum. But there's that. What I don't like is that because her child has to go pee. Okay. Uh, She's dressing. She's she's driving recklessly. And there's actually a moment where you see that she would have had a head on collision if she was driving another car. Mm -hmm. Like they might be dead right now. But thankfully, this car beeped or something that she was going to smash head on into this car into traffic. Like to me. Let the kid pee his pants before you both die in a car wreck here. Like, it just seems like uh, driving like that, it's not yeah. like, you know, it's not like someone's given birth in the back seat there. I just. And the know. reality of it is this is that, and it's happened to me before. You know, you don't have to pee, and then you're 20 minutes into the trip or however long it is. Sure. You've got to pee. Sure. When you got to go, you got to go. Right. It's a boy. 
You pull the car over right. to the side of the road. Right. And you let nature take it. And a course. young it's boy, a boy. No one judges a young boy for peeing on the side of the road because we all know what that's okay. about. You know, they have small bladders. <laughs> I got one here. They got that's small it. bladders. An easy way to do the commercial. The car pulls over to the side of the road. You get a nice look at the Hyundai. It's beautiful, right? Lovely. Right. And it stops on a dime and it's got four wheel drive and the whole thing like that. And then they're on their way. Anyway, dumb commercial. So yeah, I'm with you. I want to go back to baseball here, Mike, for a bit, because we okay. didn't, I didn't spend enough time on the spring training here. And now that March is coming and the games start on Sunday, spring training was always something that baseball was so great at. The reason they came up with the idea of spring training is they wanted six weeks before the start of the season in February, early March for people to already start talking about baseball. Right. And it was free publicity for the baseball teams. Sure. Come on down to Florida or Arizona. Come on down. Send a reporter. Send a photographer. Right? It's nice. It's beautiful here. Write some nice stories. It's leisurely. You can take your time. You can talk to the players wherever you want at the picnic table over there. Send the stories back to the people back in the cold north or the baseball cities. Get them all excited for baseball. Baseball was so smart to do that because they got all this free publicity. And by the time the regular season started, people were chomping at the bit to see their heroes because they could only read about them in spring training. It was beautiful. So when the Jays started in 1977, I was just finishing college and I'd gotten a job in broadcasting. And by 1978, I was working in radio. I was hired by Bob McCowan at 1430 CKFH. And CKFH had, was owned by Foster Hewitt, had the Blue Jays rights and had the Maple Leafs radio rights. Right. So I go down to my first spring training in 1978, their second year. The Jays radio network wanted someone to get audio clips that they could drop in into their broadcasts. Now, remember, this was only the second year of doing live play-by-play -play baseball, very different from hockey because you've got commercial breaks after every half inning. And I believe they were two-minute commercial breaks, but locally they would try to squeeze in that extra 30 minutes, an extra 30-second commercial, make more money. They would always oversell the breaks and hope that the batter wasn't ready to go right. exactly two minutes later. They were hoping, you know, maybe, but a lot of times when they would come back to the game after that added 30 second commercial you'd hear something like this um you know at speedy you're a somebody base hit to left field by Rico cardi like he'd miss the first pitch. if the guy swung at the first pitch for example you'd miss it and so there'd be these complaints coming in all the time saying hey you guys keep clipping the like the start of the inning you keep missing the start of the inning you know where the where tom cheek goes all right top of the fourth here and here's uh, george brett leading it off he's hitting 292 and, and that's because the station would oversell. They would sell these extra local commercials, try to stick them in there to make more money. Right. And so they needed more content. They needed a pregame show and a postgame show where they could drop in clips. And Tom Cheek couldn't do all of that by himself. Early Wind was never there. I never remember him during spring training. Maybe the last week he would show up, but he didn't do any work. He wasn't a reporter or anything like that. And so Tom would do these great features where, you know, he'd sit down in the dugout or you know, down, uh, down in the bleachers with a player and, you know, hi, welcome to countdown to baseball. Tom cheek, we're brought to you by McDonald's and he'd go through the whole spiel at McDonald's. You're a somebody or whatever they're, um, a speedy or somebody. Yeah. It's speedy or somebody and by McDonald's, <laughs> you know, uh, two all be patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, whatever their tagline was. And then he'd get into the interview break today. and then halfway through the interview, he'd say, oh, we're going to be, we'll be right back with Rick Cerrone. But first this message for speedy Waffler King. And then they would insert that locally back at the station and all that. So he was getting all these, doing all these long features. And I would just be getting clips. Right. So I, first of all, they say, you're flying down. This is great. 
uh, I fly down on Air Treetops or some airline that doesn't exist anymore. Two stops, one in Nashville, one in Atlanta. The team is staying at the Ramada Countryside Inn on US 19 uh, in Clearwater. Uh, and there was a restaurant attached that changed names every couple of years. But it's that, you know, there's a motel. Where's the nearest restaurant? It was like attached to it. So you could stagger back to your room, uh, you know, after a meal or backgammon or drinking or whatever it was. Right. The room next to mine was uh, vacant. It was uh, um, the resident there was Milt Dunnell. Oh, wow. The yes. star's eminent columnist that I read every day um, from the time I could read. And Milt was there, I think, for most of the spring training. He was there for like a month. He'd come back and he, he, he looked like, like a roasted chicken, <laughs> like sort of, you know, crispy brown kind of a thing, right? He'd be right. in the sun the whole time. Right. And he was awesome. And I would go with him every morning to Denny's for breakfast. He'd knock on my door at 7 o'clock. I'd be ready at 7 in the morning. He was an wow. early riser. And we'd go for a walk. We'd go for breakfast. He would tell stories. I would listen to the stories. And um, this was my ex first experience at spring training. So he would, you know, he, he had some good stories to tell. Trent Frayne was there. Uh, covering the Jays, I think, for the Globe and Mail. Allison Gordon, the late Allison Gordon, the late Christy Blatchford, Neil McCarl, Clem Keeley, John Robertson. And most of these people, have all they've all passed on. And we would go to a place called the Cecil Engelbert Complex, which was the Jays' minor league complex, which was just a piece of junk. Right. And this was the major leagues. We'd go to other complexes, and they were beautiful. We'd go to this one. It was like, like a high school place right with little tiny dressing rooms and locker rooms and cinder block locker rooms and there were three fields one of them was a half a field it was just the infield there were two batting cages i think there was one pitching machine this was the major leagues and we were excited because you know we we had a team in the majors but when you looked at the difference of facilities you were like, hey, this is horrible absolutely horrible right. and then they would and then the media there was no media room there was like a room with two phones next to Howie Starkman's office and his assistant, Judy West. Uh, you had um, bologna sandwiches for media lunches. That was like it. Wow. Okay, maybe a little cheese tray with some pickles. That was it, baby. And everything, the, the Cecil Engelbert complex was in this low, hot brick building. It was just awful. <laughs> and they didn't even play their games there. They played at a place called Grant Field, which is a little bandbox park that seated 1,500 people. And the home clubhouse wasn't much better than the visitor's clubhouse. It was hot and cinder block one concession stand and parking for like a hundred cars. That was it. And if you wanted to interview a player, you'd have to do it outside where you could find a quiet place. Cause there was no room inside. Right. So I interviewed guys like uh, Jim Clancy, Rick Cerrone, Alan Ashby, John Mayberry, Rico Cardi, Dave McKay, Tommy Underwood, Dave Lomancic, Otto Velez, Otto the Swato, whose English wasn't that good. And he was reticent to speak because as you know, if you, if you don't have, command of a certain language you don't want to be misunderstood you don't want to say the wrong word so Otto was very soft-spoken and did not speak much English at all he preferred to speak Spanish and it gave a young reporter such as yourself myself oh, me wow. a chance to work on his interview and interpersonal skills very important sure. I attended nearly every spring training camp of the Jays for the next 15 to 20 years wow. I did live talk shows from there on radio wow. two-hour talk shows live I did. We sports line went down every single year. We did live hits there. We sent back stories on the satellite. Uh, when I started there in 1984 at sports line, we had a crew in Dunedin for virtually the entire spring training. Jim would go for two weeks. I would go for two weeks. Don Martin would go for two weeks. Bill Bird would go for two weeks. Uh -huh. Mitch Azaria would go. Frank Giannone would go. We'd rotate cameras down there. We would rent a condo down there with a pool 
and have our editing equipment down there, we would work in Florida, sending back stuff to our viewers who were dying to see what was going on with the Jays. We're dying to find out right. if Cecil Fielder or Willie Upshaw or Fred McGriff was going to be the first baseman. Right. All that stuff. It was great. And after a while, as TSN got bigger and spent more money because they were doing Jays games, Global spent less. Eventually, we went from eight weeks in spring training to six weeks mm. to four weeks. Then it was three weeks. Then it was two weeks. Then it was a week. And then one year, I forget, in the 90s, I think it would have been around 94 after they won their second championship. Um, I think they said, you know what? We're not sending anybody down. They hired a freelance cameraman and his girlfriend. Mm. He shot all these interviews and his girlfriend held the microphone. Only problem was she didn't know how to hold a microphone. Oh. Right. <laughs> and so the audio would be, it would sound something like this. Well, I think the Blue Jays have got an excellent chance of winning the games uh, next week when we, when we, when we play the New York Yankees. And as such, I think that I, and it was just awful. Right. The audio guy would have to ride the levels. It was, it was horrible. Right. And you could see at the time that global and sports line, were going to spend less and less money because they realized that TSN was the sports network and that people would eventually go there for the games, stick around for the post-game show, watch the sports casts and all that. And so they systematically just, you know, okay, nope, this week, uh, this year, you're only going for a week. And when you're used to going down there for a while and it being a nice little perk to your job, and now suddenly it's the, it's, it's February or early March. And instead of being down in Florida, like you're used to being down there, you're stuck up here in the cold. It was terrible. End of an era. And that was pretty much it. Yeah, end of an era. That's too bad. By the way, uh, we got a shout out. Malcolm Park, uh, who's watching us live on YouTube, says that your Tom Cheek is excellent. Your Tom Cheek impersonation. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I've spent enough time with Tom. That golden voice. <laughs> he was something. He was, well done. He was, he was, oh, and uh, Dale Cadeau good... says you dropped a lot of free advertising in this episode. because I did, didn't, didn't I? Yeah. I remember the commercial breaks. Because for a while, I engineered some of the games. Not from the ballpark, but I was at the studio when I first started. And I was the guy at control at 1430 that would, uh, you know, once the broadcast said, okay, we'll be right back after this message, I would, you know, take their pot down and then I would run the commercial, the commercial cluster that was supposed to go, including the extra 30 second commercial, which would, they would phone in and say, what are you like, what are you doing running that? We keep missing the top of the next thing. I said, I know, I know it's on the schedule. What am I supposed to do? So I would hear all these commercials and I always suggested whenever there was a pitching change, I always thought that the sponsor should be Pampers. So why wouldn't you go to whoever the company, Bristol Myers or whatever, and say, it's perfect time for a change. And how about you do a change too? Because you've got lots of people listening to the game that have babies. Right. I mean, I know when my kids were young, whenever, oh, let's go for a change. It was like, hey, brought to you by <laughs> Pampers. You know, it's perfect. I like that but, idea. Yeah, but it's always, it's always like a oil change is what they like to go with, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Now, it's, is it an oil change? It should This change is brought to you by, you know, we're reminding you, it's a pitching change. It's an oil change. It's a diaper change. It's, yeah. it's Mr. Enough. Lube or something like that. Right. <laughs> Remember I told you I was going to cancel my subscription to The Athletic? Yeah, because... Because uh, of their limited Blue Jays coverage? Because Mike Wilner joined the Toronto Star staff and right. you were all in. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm upset that John Lott and Andrew Stoughton uh, were both let go. Excellent baseball writers. Excellent right. Blue Jay writers. Sure. And so I allowed my subscription to The Athletic to lapse. And guess what happened, Mike? Uh, they told you we have a deal for you if you come back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to lose you, Mr. Hebsher. And so instead of me spending $71.99 for unlimited access to The Athletic for a year, mm -hmm. I'm only going to pay $35.99. Half price. So that to me is worth it. And it's worth saying yeah. on the air, 
I am quitting this, the athletic. I'm not going to pay this much for this content, especially since there's limited Blue Jays content. Although Caitlin McGrath is doing an excellent job. But they want to retain you. That's good. That's, so that lets people know. If you, if you so want a good deal from the half. athletic, you got to threaten to right. quit. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. The Globe and Mail wants me badly, and they have for a while. I was a subscriber. I let it lapse a, few, a couple years ago now. They want $100 a year for the Globe and Mail. Right. The Star, I think I can get for about 75 bucks a year. Which is a good deal for the Star, I think. Yeah, it is. Especially since Wilner has now gone to the Star and he's going to be writing a lot. They're going to be a, a lot more baseball, a lot more Blue Jays stuff. Yeah. I kind of see that that's the way it's going. That they want to have podcasts and they want to have interactive with their um, writers, their correspondents. Well, Toronto Star has a great that, way to do it. They have a whole new like podcast division. They've got yeah. at One Young Street there. Yeah, it, it, look, it, it fills a void, and it's necessary these days, especially. So, a hundred bucks for the Globe, seventy-five bucks for the Star, and thirty-five ninety-nine for the Athletic. If I subscribe to all three, I'll be super knowledgeable, Mike. <laughs> Even more knowledgeable than I am. It's now. a business expense, right? You can write it off, right? Yeah, like you're the host of a sports podcast, right? Tiger Woods. <laughs> People were saying, where were you when you heard about Tiger Woods? I was like, all right, yeah. he got into an accident. He's not dead. No, he's not dead. Oh, my God, but look at his car. Okay, but he wore a seatbelt and whatever. Oh, I wonder if he was taking drugs. Seven o'clock in the morning, probably not. Right. Right? He right. was going fast. Right. You know? Did he take painkillers because he, of his bad back? He's had five back surgeries? Well, probably. He may have, but certainly they're not going to do a toxicology report. And obviously, any cop that sees him is not going to look and go, oh, he was under the influence for sure. How are you going to tell? You can't smell that on a breath. You can't smell that. And you can't, unless his eyes are glassy or whatever. I'm pretty sure that if you took two or three painkillers for your bad back, mm -hmm. it's you're not going to appear impaired, especially if you just staggered out of a freaking car wreck where your car could have gone 200 feet down an embankment. If it doesn't hit a tree, you're dead. Wow. Okay? Right. Right. So this idea that, well, we didn't find any, you know, uh, he wasn't under the influence of anything. Yeah, you don't know. He wasn't drunk, right? He wasn't stoned, uh, you know, on marijuana or something, but or, or cocaine or anything. But come on. I know people that can take half a dozen prescription pills. You wouldn't know on their face if they were flying high or not. <laughs> anyway, it was like, oh, my God, Tiger. And then and then somebody said something like, oh, what a terrible year. It's been Kobe and Tiger. I'm like, what the what am I reading here? What the hell is all this? First of all, different years, but okay. Uh, firstly, but you know what I mean. Like well, it's oh my yeah. god, Los what? Angeles and you know, well, a superstar athlete and uh, and planes flying over and helicopters flying over and and media everywhere, right? Tiger's a very lucky man today. He's a very very lucky man because uh, he should recover and be able to you know watch his kids get older and all the important things. Whether he swings a golf club or not, I don't think oh, is will. priority one right now. Like, I really think this oh, is Oh, it's about... not priority one, but he'll, right. he'll probably swing a golf yeah. club. Well, that'll just make the story um, more exciting when he wins uh, the Masters in right. a couple of years. <laughs> what I enjoyed was, I enjoyed, not enjoyed, but I, I, I went seeking people uh, who, had the, who had knowledge, who could say, all right, this is what happens if mm -hmm. you have multiple and compound fractures in your legs and right. your ankles right. and your tibia and your fibula. Right. And what it all means. And so um, a fellow that I follow on Twitter, uh, Dr. Bill Mallon, and he's not even known as Dr. Bill Mallon. His name is Bill Mallon. He's a former PGA golfer, and he's an orthopedic surgeon whose specialty is the shoulder. But he certainly knows enough about orthopedic surgery to be an expert. And so he explained quite well how it's possible that multiple fractures in the leg 
could be bad, but not so bad, you know, but in the ankle, the lower down you go in the leg, the foot, the ankle could be more serious from a stability standpoint. And what happens if there's more than one fracture, if it's a clean break, that's one thing, but if it's multiple fractures, what could possibly happen? Infection could take over It's stuff like that. And so he said that since tiger's, um, uh, camp is very secretive. They're not going to reveal any information as, except to say, uh, for example, today that uh, the injuries include open fractures affecting both the upper and lower portions of the tibia and fibula bones, meaning the bones broke into more than two places pieces and pierced the skin. A rod was inserted into the tibia to stabilize the leg. Additional injuries to the bones of the foot and ankle were stabilized with a combination of screws and pins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Woods told investigators at the hospital, after the accident that he had no recollection of the accident so did he black out i think that's did human nature no i know had no idea is. that he missed the curve went over the center medium into oncoming traffic uh, hit a tree and tumbled halfway down an embankment i feel like he had no i don't think okay go ahead sorry recollection of the accident that's Heads. a blackout to me i had no recollection that I, I passed out on the street last night yeah you were blackout drunk you well blacked out yeah, but when you have that kind of pain, like, you know, bones piercing through skin, like that kind of pain, right. your body does shock. this thing where shock? it, yeah, it puts you in a state of shock. So you almost don't feel the pain. Like you almost don't, it's almost like to protect you from this immense pain, you get put into this strange state. And I think yeah. it's possible. I don't know about that, okay. Mike. I think, you know, the word shock has a different connotation. I don't think that the, at the scene they can say he was in shock as opposed to shocked, right? That's weird. That's a very that's a very painful injury though if your body doesn't release all those you know adrenaline yeah. and all that stuff to protect you from yeah. the pain it can be overwhelming so anyway Dr. Mallon's suggestion was that unless the bones in the foot and the ankle were really terribly broken in multiple places um as lo- it should heal fine once the pins and the rods and everything else are taken out whether he can play golf or not is another story, but he did say that, you know, the amount of torque that his body has already taken with five back surgeries and such, he's already somewhat of a, like a medical marvel. Right. Right. Yeah. Don't forget right? that. This, this is not a young man. He's almost my age. That's how old he is. So he's 45, right? Yeah. Around there. Yeah. 40, I think so. 45. All right. We're almost done. Black history month ends on Sunday. Uh, but we shouldn't just direct our interest to the shortest month of the year. It should be year round. So this question could occur anytime, but since it is Black History Month and it has to do with Blacks, and let's face it, I don't go looking for trivia questions involving um, minorities, for example. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. You know, You're if not... you were to say, hey, you know, who was the first Jew to hit 50 home runs in the year? Hey, Hank Greenberg, you know, that kind of thing. Who was right. the first Black to accomplish this? Or who was the first woman to accomplish this? Or who was the first um, Native, uh, uh, you know, Indigenous person to do this? Great, because that's what's happening nowadays. We are really recognizing uh, milestones sure. by people uh, and, and milestones by certain groups of people sure. uh, as well. Very significant. So Black History Month and Sunday, Black Trivia Question. You all right with this? Uh, yeah, and before you give the answer, I'll just tell you that we have some uh, guesses. Uh, all right, well, on we'll your, take those uh, guesses in a second. Okay. The your, question was, yeah. Grant Fuhrer, nicknamed Coco, by the way, uh, is one of just two black goaltenders to have their names engraved on the Stanley Cup. Who is the other? What are the guesses you've got? Well, there's this... They looked it up, right? Gary Faber uh, says there's two others. So that's an interesting little... So you, no. Okay, what, so what did he say? I'll just say Gary Faber's first guest was uh, the late, great Razor, Ray Emery. I- incorrect. 
Okay. So I won't accept his next answer. Next. <laughs> uh, Art Hindle also yes. said Ray, Ray Emery with the Hawks. That's incorrect. We won't take any more from Art Hindle. Next. <laughs> uh, well, I know. I, I mean, Gary had another guess, uh, which I. Nope. Okay. He has a so, second guess. Do you have a guess, Mike? I. There's only one other goaltender, black I, goaltender. I couldn't come up with one. I tried to think of who it is, but. His first name was Eldon. I know where you're going. This is the Pokey. This, this is the second guess from Gary Faber. So we'll give him credit for his Eldon Pokey Reddick. But since it wasn't his first guess, he doesn't right. get credit. I only right. asked for one. Right. Eldon Pokey Reddick in 1990 was the backup goalie to Bill Ranford for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Grant Fuhr that year had some drug problems and injury problems as well. He would be suspended the following year for the entire season, commuted to 50 some odd games. Uh, for, um, you know, cocaine. Right. And so Eldon Pokey Reddick was the backup goalie to Bill Ranford and played all but two minutes in the playoffs. He played the last two minutes of a division final game against the LA Kings. A brawl broke out. I think the, I think the owners won like eight, four or something like that. And a brawl broke out at the end of the game. Um, and coach John Muckler, the late John Muckler decided that Ranford should come to the bench and that Pokey Reddick should get his only chance to play in the Stanley cup playoffs, which gets your name on the Stanley cup okay. and put him in for the last minute and 56 seconds. So the answer is Eldon Pokey Reddick, 1990 Edmonton orders. Thanks everyone for playing. <laughs> and Mike, that's a cue. That's it for episode number 221 of Hebsey on sports. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. As always check out his excellent Toronto Mike podcast, which I will be a guest on today for the sports media Roundtable. Okay. So literally in 10 minutes, We'll be live on the Toronto mike Podcast Facebook page. So search for Toronto Mike Podcast on Facebook. And of course, it'll be the next episode of Toronto Mike 808, which I'll drop like 10 minutes after we finish. But Hebsey's got a 10-minute break now, and he'll be back in action. Uh, that's amazing. Right. And since this was episode 221 of Hebsey on Sports, and we're going to have episode 808 of Mike's, uh, the Toronto Mike Podcast, we're at 1,029 oh. podcasts between the two of us. Wow. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace back with another exciting episode of Hebsey on sports next week. Until then, so long for now. This podcast has been produced by TMDS and accelerated by Rome phone. Rome phone brings you the most reliable virtual phone service to run your business and protect your home number from unwanted calls. Visit romephone.ca to get started.